Happy Monday. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. And welcome in to episode seven of the Tar Devils Podcast. My name is Tyler Rosari, the objective Duke fan in this duo, debating my good friend John Bowman. Another exciting week of basketball, a couple close finishes, another couple cancellations with um, due to COVID. John, we have a little bit of a different show today, a new format that we think we'll use going forward. Go ahead and explain to listeners what we'll be doing. Yeah, Tyler, the main thing we're going to be discussing today is the Andrew Playtech game-winning shot. So let's let's make sure we're, we're clear about what's happening in this show. <laughs> Andrew Playtech hits a game-winner. Uh, so you should give it to him every time for a game-winner now. <laughs> I saw a picture where it looked like his eyes were closed as he was taking the shot, which I think just perfectly sums up the Playtech experience. But good for him to hit that shot. We're going to discuss it a little bit. Uh, later on in the show. But yeah, Tyler, you referenced it. We have an exciting uh, new method, new way of recording the podcast this week. So we did our first segment on this new app called the Locker Room app. Um, it's a cool way to do sort of live streaming for podcasts. So moving forward, if you want to be a part of the show, just download the Locker Room app. Look us up on Tar Devils Podcast. You should be able to find us pretty easily on there. Um, we recorded a segment tonight we reviewed just last week, uh, the last week of college basketball. We talked with a couple of the friends and listeners of the podcast uh, live on the app. So we're going to throw it to that segment first. Um, it's a cool new way of doing podcasting. So there's a little bit of uh, bumps as we get through the first time doing it. But I think it'll be really exciting if we stick with it moving forward. So, yeah, let's take a listen to that first segment. We are live on the Locker Room app. So we'll take it away. Uh, on the app. Here we go. We are recording live, our first live show here on the Locker Room app. Um, we are uh, going to be kicking things off shortly. We can take questions in the chat pod, or if anyone else wants to uh, jump on and talk a little bit, throw out a question or a thought about UNC or Duke basketball, feel free to uh, request to speak and we'll have you jump on here. Part of the fun of a live show. How are you doing tonight, Tyler? Doing well. Watching Trubisky play awful as as usual. The uh, the pride of the ACC, Mitch Trubisky, ACC. I'm glad this isn't a football podcast. We do not have to defend uh, Mitch Trubisky's <laughs> record at all here today. Um, but thanks. We have a, a couple of people joining us already here today. Um, we are trying this new medium out, um, so we're excited. Uh, Tyler, do you want to talk just briefly a little bit about uh, Duke's game this week, and then I can review a little bit about UNC? Yeah, absolutely. So Duke's first game this week was against Boston College. They narrowly escaped 83-82. to A very ugly game. It was clear that Duke hadn't played in three and a half weeks or so, and during that time, Coach K was also out. Um, He didn't test positive for COVID, but his daughter and I believe his granddaughter both have COVID, and they're battling through it right now. So for that reason, Coach K was quarantined for, I think, 10 days, couldn't be at practice, Um, obviously didn't travel to Florida State a week ago when that game was postponed. Uh, Then Coach Shire filled in um, in his Boston College game. So Duke narrowly wins that 83-82. to 
Then they played Saturday. They beat Wake 79-68. to Again, a first half that I thought was pretty sloppy, um, but then they uh, really picked it up in the second half, the de- defensive pressure, and didn't turn the ball over quite quite as much in the second half and pulled away a bit with a 11-point win. Yeah, it was Duke's first time out in a while. Um, it was exciting to see them get back on the court. I'll give a quick recap of UNC's week, um, and then maybe we can see if anybody else wants to jump in and talk. Um, I think Corey always has some hot takes, so I'm interested to hear what Corey has to say. Uh, UNC played on January 5th against Miami. Uh, that was the game that will go down uh, in the history books. Uh, there's no other way to put it with Andrew Playtech uh, hitting a game-winning shot. Uh, UNC won 67-65, to 65, um, improving their record in ACC play to 2-2. Two and two. They were supposed to play Clemson on Saturday. That was going to be a very tough game because Clemson is really good. Um, but that game ended up getting canceled due to COVID. Um, so, you know, that's part of the process this year, uh, you know, going through this season. There's going to be a lot of games canceled from time to time. Um, but still, UNC got a win. Their next game is Tuesday, January 12th against Syracuse. Um, Tyler, what did you think of Playtech shot? What did you think of the <laughs> UNC-Miami game? I'm sure we'll discuss this more um, when we record for the podcast. But against Miami, I, I really do think that was the most embarrassing half of basketball, the first half I'm talking about, I've ever seen from UNC. And – I think like a daycare league could have taken care of the ball better than UNC did. Some of the turnovers were just laughably bad. And so Andrew Playtech hitting that shot just concluded just, you know, a hilarious game for me. I just sat back and just was dying laughing that not not only did Playtech make a shot, it's not like it was a wide open three. He drove the ball on the baseline and made a floater over like three defenders. I, I think the reporter asked Leaky Black if – um. He thought Playtech was going to step out of bounds, and he said he just kind of chuckled and said it was close. I mean, I thought he was about to turn it over. So, I mean, good for Playtech. Yeah, I get on him. He's a, I joke that he's the fan favorite. I know most UNC fans don't like him playing either, but, hey, it paid off in this game. Yeah, it did. He, he finished with seven points uh, against uh, Miami, which is pretty impressive. I think the story, though, again for UNC, Kerwin Walton. Walton had 13 points. He was three of seven um, from the three-point line, which is pretty impressive. Um, Walton, right now, in ACC play, is shooting 10 of 19 from the three-point line. So we've talked all season about uh, UNC's struggles, uh, finding an outside shot. It looks like they finally got a stud outside shooter in Kerwin Walton. Uh, he's That's the third highest three-point percentage mark in ACC play, according to uh, – KenPom.com. He ranks third in the conference with a 52.6% uh, three-point shooting mark. So, okay, but yeah, John, John, you guys have also, I believe, played the some of the bottom of the ACC. I mean, I think you guys played a zone at one point where you just got wide-open shots. Miami had four starters out. So he's going to get the easiest looks of the whole season right now. We'll see when he plays Syracuse, Florida State, Clemson. He's not going to get wide-open shots, so we'll see how his his uh percentage drops or you know remains the same going forward, but he's also an enigma to me because if you watch him play, he's so stiff legged. It looks like he never bends his knees, yet he's still finding ways to score. I think 
you know, it definitely hurts him on defense, but I've never seen someone walk. It's kind of like when Zion runs for a jump, how stiff his legs are. It's kind of Kerwin Walton the whole time. And I don't understand. He's not super fast or anything, but, you know, it's, I just think that's just funny when I have, whenever I watch him to see that. Yeah. Hey, we have a question. Um, feel free, guys, to put in questions in the chat pod or invite uh, request to speak. We'd be happy to have you on. Uh, Tyler, um, we have a question now. Who is the Andrew Playtech of Duke? That question is from Corey. <laughs> Andrew Playtech. So when I think of Andrew Playtech, I think of one, a big overachiever, and someone who is very frustrating that a lot of fans don't necessarily want but sometimes can do well. So if I'm thinking about a, you know a previous team, first person that comes to mind is like Matt Jones, who was recruited as a shooter but could never make a shot, which you know was very frustrating. But he did earn his time playing defense, and our, our mutual friend Ethan would appreciate this. He strapped up Sam Decker in a championship game, so you know I can't get on Matt Jones that much. If I look at this roster. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest comparison would have to be someone like Joey Baker in terms of play. I guess they're both supposed to be able to shoot well. Neither have really shot very well. Um, both are prone to turnovers because they have a lot of lack of athleticism. Um, but they both try hard on defense, And but they're ne- neither of them are very good on defense, but they try hard. So, you know, I'm, I think out of uh, you know respect to that aspect, I'll have to say Joey Baker. Nice. I, um, I'm looking up KenPom.com has player comparisons. So, Corey, the uh, the science behind uh, the answer to your question, it suggests Benji Bell is the most similar player uh, to Andrew Playtech. Benji Bell played for Florida State in 2016, so you can Google him. I'm not familiar with Benji Bell, but apparently he's the I've never statistic. Heard of yeah, me neither. The most statistically similar um, player. Let's make sure we reset a little bit. We've got a couple of people in the room. Um, we are recording a segment for our podcast, the Tar Devils podcast. Um, this is our first time using the Locker Room app, so it's pretty cool to be live here uh, doing a little bit of a segment for you all. My name is John Bowman. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Bowman underscore John. And, of course, my co-host, Tyler. Do you want to introduce yourself and set the stage a little bit? Yep. Um, Tyler Rizzieri, seems like we have a lot of mutual friends in this chat room right now. Um, the big Duke fan in this duo, John, the unfortunate UNC fan in this duo for the last couple seasons. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a, another weird week of basketball with, you know, a lot of cancellations. I think another three ACC games alone canceled this week, or today alone more this week were canceled. That's going to continue to happen. It'll be interesting, you know, at the end of the year to see how they fit in all these postponed games in. Are they going to just lump them in, or are they going to kind of have time off between the ACC tournament, which I doubt. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But uh, UNC again with a narrow win last week against Miami Duke with a couple wins with as much crap as Duke. Um, that has been given to Duke. They are sitting atop the ACC right now, three and zero. I think the three teams that they've beaten are combined, zero four and wins. They have zero wins, so you know that's not good. But um, they'll really pick up in this next month. UNC for UNC and Duke. UNC was supposed to play Clemson Saturday. That got postponed. They play Florida State and Syracuse next week. I think it's very likely UNC gets zero wins next week. We'll see. 
Duke plays Virginia Tech on Tuesday, another tough game. So, yeah, we'll see going forward how, it, how things shake out. We got a question in the chat pod from uh, Mungza Law. Um, I believe we both know Mungza. Shout out to Mungza. Uh, the question is, who's the best player across the two teams right now? So who's the best player across Duke and UNC? That's an interesting uh, phrase. There's a couple of different ways you could go with that. I think, first of all, you have to look at NBA potential, um, who has the most NBA potential across the two teams. Um, maybe we can start with that. Tyler, who would you pick? I mean, maybe Dayron has got to be up there, or one of the Duke freshmen probably has the highest ceiling as an NBA player, right? Uh, I'm going to go with playoff G, Garrison Brooks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but so, I mean, based on playoff potential or uh, NBA potential, you have to go Jalen Johnson. He's not even playing right now. And he has a tough time scoring the ball. So I don't know, you know, how he'll develop the jumper. Sometimes he makes it, but he's not a great scorer right now. But for his 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 frame and his size, he's going to get drafted higher than any of the other players. That's for sure if you look at the mock drafts. Um, Dayron, I mean, I really think, uh, so I'm not just being a hater. I really think he's suffering at UNC because the games where he goes like 25 and 10, he should be able to do every night and he's not able to. And I think it's because of UNC system and getting everyone involved. And it's not as much of an NBA system where if you just give Dayron the ball and get out of the way and let him work. And especially in the ACC where there's not a lot of bigs that can contend with his size. You know, he would be putting up better stats every night. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up online. I looked up the latest NBA mock draft. Jalen Johnson of Duke is going 10th right now to the Memphis Grizzlies. This is the mock draft from The Athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Dayron Sharp as the only Tar Heel um, listed in that mock draft. He's ranked 27, or he's would projected to be picked 27th right now. So he's fallen a little yep. bit. I think another name we should mention here. Caleb Love was someone who was talked about as having NBA potential for sure, um, but even projected to maybe go first round, uh, talked about in the same way that we talked about Kobe White, sort of a a riser in this offense. This is before the season. Mm -hmm. But now you look at Caleb Love's body of work. He's played 11 games so far this season. He is 8 of 45 from the three-point line, which is about as good as – Mungza does on an average day at the basketball court. Eight of 45 from the That's generous line. to Mungza. Come on. <laughs> and then he's shooting 32.9% on two-pointers. Um, I think it's interesting. His free throw percentage hasn't really dropped. He's still a very good uh, free throw shooter. He's shooting 84% from the line. Um, so clearly it's not like he's a bad shooter because he's still able to perform at the free throw line. But I think he just has not been – able to get integrated in this offense at all this season. Uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts on uh, Caleb Love's play so far this year? What's What's gone wrong for him? Uh, I mean, we've talked about it on a number of the podcast episodes, but just the system that Roy has set up isn't really fit for his type of play because, I mean, I mean, in high school, he, sh- he didn't shoot a great percentage from three. He shot it a lot, but he didn't shoot it greatly. His best asset is his athleticism and finishing around the rim. But if there's two bigs sitting in the paint and two to three defenders there every time, it's tough to finish over the top as a guard. It's not like Zion where you can just jump over any big that's there. So, 
you know, I don't think Roy has done a great job putting him in positions for him to score. Now, when I say that, he does miss a lot of wide-open threes. I understand that. But like I just said, that's not his best asset. His best asset is, you know, slashing and making things happen for other people or for himself at the rim. And the way that UNC runs the offense, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Let me give him credit for well, this, though. He was – I uh, believe he was like 0 of 8 for the game against Miami and then took and made a huge shot with like a minute – I think, I don't know, a little over a minute left, something like that, maybe less than a minute. But it was a three-pointer, nothing but net. UNC seemed dead in the water at that point. I don't know if that tied it up or put you up by one. But he shot that ball with confidence after not making a shot all game. And I think it was the biggest shot of the game. It really turned it. Yeah. Well, you have to give him credit for that. Um, I do want to give an opportunity. We're uh, going to wrap this up shortly. If anybody else wants to jump in and talk, you can request to speak. We'd be happy to have you on to ask a question or throw out a hot take. Um, otherwise, we'll be shutting this down. Um, pretty soon. It was, it was a cool opportunity to use this app. We're definitely going to try it out again in the future. Um, do you want to set the stage, Tyler, for what Duke has coming up next? I know we talked a little bit about UNC's upcoming schedule, some tough games up ahead. What is, what's in store for Duke? Yes, well, next week is kind of slow. It's just one game um, against Virginia Tech, who right now is 19th. As it stands, they're up 70-62 to 62 on Notre Dame with three minutes left. Looks like they'll pull that out, but Shout out to John. He picked. We picked a Louisville Virginia Tech game yesterday in one of our you know weekly betting segments. John went with Louisville. I went with Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech had a wide open three to win it at the buzzer, and the guy missed it. Broke my heart. So now we're tied in our betting. But Virginia Tech may fall out of the rankings. I don't know next week. Um, they or may just be like you know twenty three to twenty five range. But as it stands, two ranked matchups um, or two ranked teams in a matchup next week on Tuesday at 7. And then Duke plays, you know, following week at Pitt. And then Louisville, Georgia Tech, Clemson. They're cut, you know, a number of tough games coming up. So they've kind of been able to ease into the schedule with that game at Florida State postponed. I think their play as a team has declined after not playing for three and a half weeks. Just so many sloppy turnovers. A little bit more iso ball than I would like to see. Whereas before that break when they played against Notre Dame, there was a lot of a lot more ball movement and played together. And, um, you know, I'm hoping to see more of that going forward. We hope you enjoyed that segment from the Locker Room app. We're going to be using that more going forward, maybe not every week, but, you know, certainly every month. And if you're interested in being a part of that, just um, follow our Twitter. And every Sunday we'll send out a tweet of what time we plan on using that app, usually around nine time. We don't always record at the same time, but probably around 7, 7.30 on Sundays. And you also have a chance to get your voice heard. If you want to request to be able to speak and ask a question or respond to something, we'll give you that opportunity. So a great app, something we uh, look forward to using in the future. So, John, getting into our last segment here, um, we want to know, well, we're going to talk about our, big, our one big takeaway from Duke and UNC both from this last week. John, what, what's your big takeaways? I'll start with my big takeaway for Duke. Um, I think Duke had a really interesting opportunity to sort of reset their season uh, without Jalen Johnson, who was is sort of the focal point of the offense early on in the year. Um, they've reset the season after a long break. And my takeaway is that this is Matthew Hurt's team, which sounds crazy to even say, but he scored, uh, let me make sure I have the numbers right. Yeah, he scored 26 points against Wake Forest. Uh, he shot four of seven, 
from the three-point line. Um, he is up to a 43% three-point shooter on the year for Duke, uh, which is pretty impressive. And he you know, scored a season-high 26 points against the Demon Deacons. I think this is Matthew Hurt's team. Um, this Duke team has a lot of talent uh, among their freshman classes, but they, you know, we talked about it in early episodes of this pod. They were going to need someone from the upper classman ranks to sort of step up a little bit and help this team reach its full potential. So it doesn't look like that guy is Wendell Moore. It doesn't look like that guy is anyone but Matthew Hurt. He's sort of the guy who stepped up the biggest and filled those shoes. I'm expecting big things from him for the rest of the season. And if Duke wants to compete for an ACC title, they're going to need a lot from him. Then switching over a little bit to my UNC takeaways. Um, UNC also had a very interesting week. But I think my biggest takeaway for the Tar Heels is the return of Leaky Black to relevance, really. There were some periods during this season where Leaky Black's shot selection was really poor. He was feasting on a lot of mid-range jumpers, a lot of unhealthy looks uh, for someone like himself who's not a very good jump shooter. But he seems to have really found a niche and a role within this team uh, recently. I'm, I think he's been playing some of his best basketball as a Tar Heel. He scored 16 points against Miami, which also was a season high. Uh, he went 4-4 from the three-point line, which I think is a little noisy. Um, it's unlikely to be repeated because he, you know, coming into this game, was only shooting uh, 30, or excuse me, so far this season, he's shooting 36.8% from three, but last year he shot 25%, so I think he's going to regress to the mean a little bit there. But still, this is a leaky black that uh, is showing up on the offensive end, is really helping the Tar Heels, and still bringing it defensively with steals and blocks. So my takeaway for Duke is how impressed I was by Matthew Hurt, and my takeaway for the Tar Heels was leaky black, really showing up big time and carrying UNC to a win when they needed it. How about you, Tyler? Yeah, Matthew Hurt, uh, he has 17-11 and 11 against Boston College. I think his stat line was kind of misleading. I thought he played a pretty poor game overall. His defense was god-awful, and he was, wasn't shooting very efficiently. But he redeemed himself for sure against Wake, shot lights out, um, had a career high for him. I believe it was 26 points, 27 points. Um, quick shout-out to Wendell Moore, another 25 against um, Boston College. He had a terrible season going into the game. Confidence shaken, much like Caleb Love, but Wendell kind of snapped out of it for that game. Um, Duke does not win that game without him scoring every every single point. He had a clutch bucket with two seconds on the shot clock left, with like 40 seconds left in the game. So proud of him. He seems like a good kid. He just, you know, needs needs a confidence boost. Um, but my big takeaway is that Duke needs Jalen Johnson back. He is the only guy with real NBA potential on this team for or NBA draft stock right now for a reason. He's the only mismatch that Duke has. And without him in the game, we're having to put Wendell Moore like playing the four. And Duke's just going to get eaten up down low if that continues. They've been lucky to play the bottom teams in the ACC where we can get away with it. But going forward, we're going to need Jalen Johnson rebounding and playing defense in the block, blocking shots. So, you know, I just also want to add, I don't know, have you seen these – uh um comments from Jeff Goodman very annoying so Jeff Goodman said um this last week that there is 
some disconnect between Jalen Johnson, the Duke coaching staff, and Jalen Johnson needs to return, but he needs to be engaged. Trust me, he's not engaged. Uh, no, Jeff Goodman, I'm not going to trust you because you're full of shit. When Jalen Johnson first got injured, Jeff Goodman said it was a hoax, that he was in a walking boot, but he wasn't actually injured. And now he's saying J Jalen Johnson needs to be engaged. Go look at the Boston College game. When that buzzer sounded at the end, the very first person to be up in Wendell's more face congratulating him was Jalen Johnson. So, Jeff Goodman, shout out to you for not being a great analyst, not even a good one, really getting on my nerves. That's my uh, little rant about him. But Jalen Johnson needs to come back to the Duke team quickly because it, the schedule really amps up um, going forward. So we'll see, you know, how, how he deals with his injury going forward. For UNC, my big takeaway is NIT. I cannot see this team winning games going forward. You're playing the worst teams at ACC, winning on literally last-second shots. I don't see improvement from this team. If I, I didn't see the quote, but the announcer said during his Miami game, Roy said he was disappointed with how the players have not improved like he thought they would. But, Roy, that's on you. That's your job as a coach is to get these players to play well, especially the freshmen. But I realized something. Roy does not improve players during the season. He improves them in the offseason. You have teams that are not good, and then they play very well, or they get a lot better during the offseason, and they come back and compete for a championship. With that being said, this team, I've seen literally no improvement. I mean, Curran Walton, a player that's just getting more minutes, in my opinion, but he's not like he wasn't shooting well to start the year. R.J. Davis is playing worse every single game. Caleb Love is playing worse every single game. Playoff G, we know about him. Preseason player of the year. Kind of crazy. Matthew Hurt leads the ACC in points per game, but wasn't on any preseason teams when you think about it. But playoff G was. Um, Dayron Sharp, he's getting the minutes he deserves. He's still not super efficient and has a little bit of turnovers, but he's still a great player. Marno Baycott has slipped the last couple of games. He was your best player overall in the last two games. He's not played very well. So going forward, you had a game against Clemson. You were about to get spanked. You see Twitter. I mean, talk about delusional. A lot of them, a lot of people on the UNC fan page is saying this team is due a breakout game. No, you're doing ass kicking. And if you would play Clemson on Saturday, you were going to get that. And now you play Q's, then you play FSU. You're gonna have a lot harder games going forward. And I just can't see this. I can, well, I can't see this UNC team having like 12 to 15 losses and not making the tournament. So after seeing this last week in that Miami game, that's my big takeaway. UNC, NIT, Duke, need Jalen Johnson back. To buoy your point, UNC has two ACC wins, but they're by a combined three points total. Uh, they beat Notre Dame by one point and beat Miami by two points. And no one is saying that Notre Dame or Miami without their four top players, they're two of the best teams in the ACC. So I, uh, I don't necessarily think you're too far off base there. Um, but yeah, a lot of good points made there. Big takeaways there from both of us, and we head into our last segment now to discuss the picks for the week's games ahead. Okay, our final segment is going to be our betting segment where we are going to talk about Duke Virginia Tech and UNC FSU. We're both going to bet on those games. Quickly recapping last week, some big games. Clemson beat NC State, and then NC State also lost to Miami. Not a great a great week for the Wolfpack, dropping a couple games. Louisville, Virginia Tech last week, we 
we that's one of the games we picked. John correctly picked it. Virginia Tech missed a wide open three and broke my heart. John ties up our betting segment. So Virginia Tech wins that game. Then surprisingly, Pittsburgh beats Syracuse after being down 18 points. Uh, you know, another big shock to me. Go Coach Capel. John, shout out to Coach Capel. Um, so then this week, you know, a couple of the highlight games, Duke, Virginia Tech, UNC, FSU, like I said, we will pick. Also, Syracuse, North Carolina, also a big game, and UVA, Clemson. Those are the kind of the four key games I'll be watching this week. Um, John, Duke, Virginia Tech, who do you got? Yeah, so I think Duke, Virginia Tech is a really interesting game. This is obviously Duke's biggest challenge in a long time. Um, I don't know really if you can say outside of the Illinois game um, and maybe Michigan State that Duke has played a better team. So this will be their definitely their te- first toughest test of conference play and possibly their second toughest test of the season. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and pick Virginia Tech in this game. The main reason why is that Virginia Tech has gotten a lot of experience under their belt this season. They've played uh, a lot of games. They're 9-2 and two so far this year. So I think that is definitely going to help them out, all that experience. I'm going to go ahead and pick the Hokies uh, in this one. Tyler? Yeah, the game is at Virginia Tech, a place Duke has not played well in the last five years, but they broke their, I don't know, it was a, a long-time streak of losing in that building, three to four years or so um, at least, and Duke won last year. Funny, uh, you mentioned Duke's home games. I think Duke plays better on the road just from the one road game we played. We shot way better. At Cameron, for whatever reason, Duke has a habit of missing the most wide-open shots you can get. I'm hoping they'll be more locked in at Blacksburg. I don't want to see all these missed threes, wide-open threes. Hopefully, they shoot like they did against Notre Dame. So for that reason, I'm hoping this team shows up on the road and is more focused, and I'll go ahead and pick Duke over Virginia Tech. All right, our second game, UNC FSU. At UNC, John, who do you got? Yeah, so you referenced this mythical, theoretical UNC breakout game. Um, no, I, from the I, fan page, not my not – my, I don't yeah, think that. <laughs> you referenced that some people have mentioned it. I kind of agree with you that uh, there's no big breakout uh, game coming. I think especially there's no big breakout season coming unless Anthony Harris – uh, I'm not sure what his status is. He just hasn't been back. Unless he comes back, this team's trajectory is pretty much set. Um, with that said, I think there's still going to be some nights um, where the team answers the challenge, answers the call, and is able to show up. I do not think they're going to beat Syracuse on Tuesday. So I think the team is going to be able to bounce back, um, be extra motivated. Uh, I think UNC's bigs could play well in this one as well. Florida State. Um, they have some size, um, but they're not a super, you know, they, they have some they have some size, but they don't have a lot of experience with that size at times. So I'm, I'm counting on UNC's interior advantage to show up in this game. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Tar Heels. Okay, so you think lose to Syracuse, beat FSU? Yes. So I think if great. anything, it would be flipped because of Syracuse's zone. Even though UNC hasn't shot the ball, well, at least, you know, Kerwin Walton will get more looks. Um, I think it's very probable that UNC goes 0-4 this week, loses to Syracuse first, and then Florida State. I'm definitely going to pick Florida State to beat UNC in this game. Um, This could be a big swing, John. We both have different teams. 
or picking different teams, we could split it, or one of us goes 2-0 and going into uh, next week. So thank you all for listening. John, do you want to wrap up? Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. You can find us uh, really wherever you listen to your podcast. We're likely on there, uh, the Tar Devils Podcast. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at Tar Devils Pod, and also download the Locker Room app next week. If you want to jump in and uh, fire off some hot takes of your own, Tyler and I would be happy to have you on Embrace Debate. Uh, add another ACC school uh, to the mix. If you're a fan of another school, we can add UNC Duke and another school into the mix. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great week. 